That's uh, okay. I'm going to click on 21 dirty bathroom photos because I'm hoping that it's one of those man-eating chicken things where it's just going to be photographs of disgusting, dirty bathrooms. That's a good well, idea. Well, I recorded that. <laughs> no, this is... What is this? Is this like Paris Hilton? That's I'm not just, even... I'm sad that we didn't get riffs saying boo. This is a woman... Oh, potty posing. That's not even that dirty. Oh, look, it's one page load per... Of course it is. Yeah. So this is just a woman in a bikini in a bathroom. Uh-huh. Think of all the ad sales you're generating for these people. I am. Was the was the famous numbers also one per page? I uh, know it was five per page. Okay. Five is a famous number. Right. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 234 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast that we have not done in quite some time. Gentlemen, how have you been? I, I think our... Our fans had given ups on us. They they assumed we were done, that we were never recording another episode. Dead. I also thought we were done. Really? Oh, yeah. You didn't think we were ever going to do another one? Did, uh, you start, did you start a new podcast in our I, absence? I did, uh, did but it's just going to go in the... started a new podcast? A podcast? <laughs> I, I My vowels got all messed up. I did, but it's just going to go in the train hot dog feed. <laughs> okay. Um, the, your 75 fans will... Yeah, they're gonna love it. Uh, what I did was um, every day going to and from GDC, uh, I recorded wow. an episode of Train Hot Dog. So you got them banked up. Yeah, I've got uh, twelve of them because I Holy went Saturday as well. Crap. Um, I'm gonna. It, it was. It's not the standard Train Hot Dog format uh, because it was it's just shorter because it goes. Yeah, to it's the, a different <laughs> train. Some of them are like an hour and a half because there was traffic. On the Bart? No, it was uh, Rachel Drove. Oh. So it's Rachel and Justin on this podcast as well. Oh, okay, but that's good. That's like a whole. That's a whole like um, crew but of it's folks. It's not a train. It's not a train. No, some of them were on the train. train. Yeah, no. You're, you're driving above the train tracks. Car hot dog. You are yeah. driving above the train tracks. Do the I train mean, tracks run directly underneath the bridge? There was a drive train in the no car. Way. Why would you do that? What? That makes no sense. Why wouldn't you do that? Okay, fair enough. Touche. Touche, <laughs> Kevin. And the plan is to release one a month for the rest of the year so that we can have a, a full year of GDC. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. What are all the reasons we didn't do podcasts for the last three weeks? The first week I was in Mexico. The yes. second week I was on and the toilet. And you told us to record one and we were too scared. Why won't you guys do it because without me? Because you're the, you're the, like, the beating heart. The, like, the throbbing... I was Emotion. I was the ready to gristle. Yeah, that's I was ready to try it, but I'm yeah, glad I, we didn't because I it, I went to bed immediately after you said don't come. Oh, okay. And it turns out it was really sick. I, I, I didn't that realize night. I got a lot of stuff. Well, that's done, marriage so for you. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, I just feel like you're the like you're the consistent thing. I guess I guess I have also not missed a, an episode ever, but like, is that true? I think so. I think I've been on every every video games hot dog. I don't know for sure, though. Because no, I think you right. guys might have recorded without me. Who knows? Yeah, no. uh, I've been recording one. I was recording one from the toilet every time I used it. So I have a backlog of about 300 <laughs> episodes of Video Games Hot Dog. Of, nice. Of Toilet Hot Dog. Okay, so yeah, you were out of town. Yeah, I went to you Mexico. You were on the toilet. Then I, was, then I got really sick. And then it was GDC. Yes. So that's why we didn't do it uh, for three, three weeks. weeks. I went to Mexico, and it was really fun. I went. At, uh, I, we went swimming in a cave. Uh, that doesn't seem like a thing one can do. Water in it? It was great. The cave had water. Okay. A little fish came up and said hello to my toe. Uh, Did it, like, bite your toe? No, it just nibbled a little bit. I don't know. Was Maybe it a it piranha? Some, some skin cells. No, it was not a piranha. Uh, 
there's people pay for this. There's spas where you like dip your feet in. Yeah, and little baths. fish exfoliate you. Yeah. You know? Whoa. Yeah. Uh, but it was a cenote. You went down a. You went down like a like a seven story little corkscrew. Uh, spiral staircase drilled into the drilled into the earth this and then was not merge in a giant dome with just water in like a like just an underground lake with big you know stalactites hanging from the top i tried to come up with a mnemonic for stalactites and stalagmites mm-hmm. like but i can't i can just every option is is there like they're stalactites because they cling tightly to the ceiling they're stalagmites because they might fall from the ceiling on you <laughs> well that's the only one that, that's the only one that makes sense right the stalagmites can fall that they might fall on you the the, st- the tights hold tightly to the floor or the ceiling right so it has to be that way right well i don't know the the you might fall on a stalagmite if it's on the ground uh, you no, might get impaled on no. it by vlad teepees <laughs> i always remembered it because it's stalagmites have a g in it and they're on the ground and stalactites have a C and they're on the C. That riff that doesn't help. At no, all. the stalactites sure have a C because they're on the cave floor. Oh, and get out of here! The stalagmites. <laughs> they have Wait, a so C because they're on the cheese. Now I, now I don't remember which is which. Katites <laughs> <laughs> are the ceiling and gamites are the floor. Okay. Riff says. Okay. Anyway, there were a lot of them, and the water was very clear and very very deep. And that the was dictionary me. does not offer you any mnemonics at all. It's just it's just a fucking definition. How helpful is that? <laughs> I also climbed to the top of an ancient Mayan pyramid, which was pretty cool, and then went to another. So check this out. Did you sacrifice anything? There was this no. You Did know you... what? The Mayans didn't do that. It was the Toltecs who came in and okay. introduced human sacrifice to the culture and also interbred with them to the point did, where did they're, they're now. Did they're the now Mayans whip bats? Did, did they what? Whip bats? Did they rip bats? Whip. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'd <laughs> like like whipped cream. <laughs> no, like uh, when the bat like comes down from the ceiling and you have to whip it so it doesn't eat. Oh, eat, eat. I okay. Like it's like a spelunky. Yeah, oh, thing. yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, that's, I thought, no, I now I like your other interpretation better. Well, like, well, no, I thought you meant like throwing baseball bat or like throw them oh, or whip oh, them like yeah. you're making whipped cream. Except whip, it's whip, whipped bat. This is a delicacy. Whip, whipping the, baseball like like with an egg beater. Right. No, no, no. Like whipping it or a whisk it rather. You, you know, like whipping. Oh, it, I see. Like <laughs> slinging it. Uh, they're like yeah flipping a bitch so, <laughs> too, too many whipping a charm too, too many homophones uh so th- we learned this story from the guide uh which uh, basically wait wait wait, wait so did the mines whip bats yes okay uh <laughs> thank you it was uncon the whole region that we were in was unconquered by the spaniards because they couldn't land their boats because there was a huge reef at the only like port city that there was that looked like it was worth conquering because the Spaniards like armor and horses and stuff were all too heavy and so their boats were way lower in the ocean than the Mayan boats but the Mayans did have heavy boats but there was only one spot where you could get through the reef and they had set up these three lighthouses just at random points in the town that when you were coming in from the sea you would line them up to where they were evenly spaced and that's how you knew you were getting through the channel in the reef that had been dug by like an underground river that flowed outward that just made it so the reef didn't form there it was like the most video game ass thing that's awesome yeah it's like getting to seeth in the crystal cavern what nothing where's (laughs) that dark souls oh okay Uh, he also there was a game called crystal caverns i was like i can't remember if that's actually the name of the place true 
there were these trees where the yep. leaves were like sandpaper and the guy was like so stoked that like different trees had basically different grits of sandpaper <laughs> as their leaves was this the guide or was this uh, another useful for carpentry no it was the guide the guide was stoked about the yeah he was the stoked about explaining it I see okay um, but we went to Tulum Mexico and just hung out on the beach for a while and had a lot of uh, had a lot of margs Okay. Had a lot of had a lot of uh, cervezas. Did you were you in a situation where you could just like continue sitting on the beach and have someone bring you drinks? No, you had to go to the bar, but the bar was like right there. Okay. It wasn't like an all inclusive thing. It was just like a small independent hotel. Okay. Go to Tulum. I mean, don't go to Tulum. Did it's, you did you explore any ruins? Find the way like, it is. let's not just climb to the top of something, but like we climbed a pyramid. There's not really a lot of interior space that you can get to. Okay, like there is basically no interior space that you can explore because they don't let you, or because it's... largely because they don't let you, and also because m- most of most of what you think of as Mayan architecture is like the foundations upon which wooden and thatch oh. buildings were mm. built. So okay. most of those things don't have any interior spaces. Were there were there were there ziggurats? Was that? I mean, a ziggurat is just a pyramid with steps, right? Right. So I think they're all ziggurats. Were they even the pyramids? Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I guess I, not having ever been there, I don't I don't know what what kind of questions to ask. Was one of the ziggurats lighter than the other? Yes. Uh. And so you didn't get sick in Mexico. No, I got sick later. It was some unrelated flu. Okay. Get a flu shot, kids. I don't know. My doctor told me not to get a flu shot. But wow, my your doctor-, doctor told you not to get a flu yes. shot? Yes. Like, wow. I'm not even kidding. I, I asked my doctor, should I get a flu shot? He said no. He's like, There's a very, very, there are very, very slight risks of things going wrong because of the flu shot. You're young and healthy, and if you get the flu, it will suck, but it's less risky than the tiny risk associated huh. with the shot no other doctor that i've ever talked to has agreed with that guy and that yeah. guy was real old he was also he had to shut down his practice and he blamed obamacare okay yeah. and also said not to vaccinate my children because it would give them autism <laughs> and <laughs> not to take them too far away from phoenix because we would fall off the edge of the earth and to vote for and trump yeah did he put a <laughs> leech on you <laughs> did he ask you to look at a chicken <laughs> He so he's a doctor that I liked because he was like refreshingly old and was sort of like no like he was like a no nonsense old doctor because largely when I go to the doctor what I need is for somebody to tell me it's no big deal shut up and go home and he was really good at that but then eventually he just got too old can't tell you to shut up anymore no I needed to go to a young doctor a doctor younger than me who drives a fast car actually I think he's slightly older than me still but Anyway, I was sick, and I'm sorry I made it so we couldn't record the podcast. I still think you guys should have done it without me. There, there were more reasons we didn't podcast. One of them was that it was GDC. Yeah. Another one was that we still hadn't played Oxenfree, even though it had been like five weeks by that point. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> so you you, you, didn't you finish- played it before we had the assignment. I so- played like 15 minutes of it and then mm. got stuck due to a bug, and I took it to Mexico with me. You still, ha- you still have not finished it. I The plane took off. I was like, we got to the cruising altitude where I could pull my computer out to play it. Fucking pinwheel forever. Uh-huh. Just wouldn't run. Huh. And so at that, at that point, I was like, I... I didn't finish it either, but 
I deliberately didn't finish it because I wasn't enjoying it. Wow. You guys are cynical jerks. But we'll get there. That's yeah, later. We'll, we'll That's get for later. Yeah. How was your GDC, Jim? Uh, really good. It was uh, a whole bunch of running around and talking to people I rarely see. Did you make all sorts of deals? And are you like totally set for the future now? I I did like briefly talk to a guy about a deal. Okay. <laughs> um, but I didn't like set it up. I just saw him and like we were having lunch and he was having lunch and I walked over to him. Oh, so you were dealing over lunch? Yeah. Well, yeah. Lunch uh-huh. deals. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I recorded a. Uh, 12 a, a podcast oh yeah 12 train hot dogs i already talked about that they're gdc hot dogs but they're on the train hot dog feed okay um oh are they <laughs> well are, are you gonna for, for, are you like i can dub train noises onto them if it makes you happy zach there was one train hot dog that it would be pretty funny actually if that's if you did that. there was one train hot dog where i recorded it in my room and then i dubbed arcade noises over it okay is that like that's yeah, that counts yeah all right I mean, I heard that. You did? Okay. Uh, I recorded a, uh, another podcast because, you know, was this the one with, uh, the Saltzman? You weren't getting it at home. It's right. With, uh, Adam and Rebecca Saltzman. And that was pretty cool. I hadn't met them before. Oh yeah. So So that was your, that that was your meeting of them. Yeah. The, the Fingies. That's, that's right. Yeah. The what? The Fingies. That's the name of their company. Production company. Mm. And it was, yeah, it was just uh, a whole lot of... Um, podcasts. A whole lot of socializing. Yeah. A whole which lot of podcasts, love. too. You love socializing. Which, well, I mean, I, I'm human, so, like, I you need You need it. to be loved, just like anybody else does. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I also need to go home after things like that and not talk to anybody for a week. So fuck you guys. I think I said this last time too, last GDC as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, the GDC is like super exhausting socially, but also like, I don't do any real work during it. Hmm. And so I was super amped up when I got home to like lock myself in my room all day and get work done. So that was cool. Learning, using all the new techniques that you learned at GDC. Well, I didn't go to any talks. Sure, but just by being around smart people. Who oh, yeah, you, you absorb it. Yeah, you learned how to. Yes. You absorb it. Steelers yeah, uh, minds. I've been hearing a lot of stuff about volumetric fog. I I heard that's a thing. Yep. And lighting. Uh-huh. That's fog that gets louder as you get closer to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know they have volumetric fog in... Firewatch, and I know they have volumetric fog in all of the discussion surrounding GDC talks about volumetric fog, but I don't know what it means. It'd be great if they just had a fog machine for those talks. Oh yeah, and got the just to get some god rays. Yeah, it's, I think that would be a really useful like. Here's what they are. Yeah, you can point like that's the volumetric fog right. I'm pointing in the air. You can point <laughs> right there. Right there's the fog. It's volumetric, and then you can also like have fog that's not volumetric somehow and say that's not volumetric fog and then you'll, you'll so you'll have the room is divided into four quadrants and the the east side is volumetric and the west side is not and the north side is fog and the south side is not right right and so people in like every the people in the southeast corner just suffocate and the <laughs> people, the people in, in the, yeah the northwest corner are like what what is this there's yeah. nothing here yeah 
this this non-volumetric non-fog is not impressive at all. <laughs> I think I think this is the best talk. We should pitch this. Non-volumetric non-fog. <laughs> A comprehensive guide. Just, just uh, yeah, a guide to terminology. And we just do that for, we just, every, every graphics term, we just figure out a way to divide the room into four quadrants <laughs> with some. So these are mm. non-god, non-rays. <laughs> I uh, ran into Simon Carlos. I was wearing my fake Ricardo Zaccone badge, which says I'm CEO of King.com. And that badge that gets old- less funny every year. Oh, I, I'm it never gets old for me. Um, I, I also just mean as fewer people know what King.com is. Right? Oh, yeah, like it's I, it's true. I wasn't like it's, I wasn't criticizing you I, for doing it am, because it's not funny anymore. I I'm, was just saying the march of history ensures that it gets less funny every year. Yes, people are definitely less scared of me now. Although, uh, apparently, I, I walked up to a, a guy who was I'm not going to name the game because for reasons that will become clear, but like I walked up to a guy who was working on like a casual puzzle game and he was like, he like, he wouldn't talk to me and I didn't realize why. Mm. And later on I found out it was because he was scared. I would, king.com would steal his ideas <laughs> <laughs> because that's what the CEO does. Right. Talk yeah. To yeah. He goes like, up to do research to do research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I ran into Simon Carlos who was, uh, uh, I actually don't know what his position is, but he's kind of high up in the, the company that runs GDC. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also a friend of mine. So we were saying hi and he was like leading around this group of like business executives in three piece suits. Um, and one of them saw the frog fractions three sticker on my pass and my badge. And apparently like Simon had to explain to him that no king.com is not making frog <laughs> fractions too. <laughs> Which is way to dispel the myth. Yeah. Well, yeah, you you can't just lie to people in a three piece suit because one of the pieces will attack you, <laughs> right? <laughs> you guys have cool GDC stories. We had a cool GDC party. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good party. It was a loud party. There's no music or anything. It was just the 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 triumphant yeah. voices of people. That's something enjoying each other's company that I was paying attention to after that petition about oh, volume. party volumes. And I, I realized that, like, I went to, like, four parties this GDC. None of them had any music. And they were all incredibly loud. Yeah. Just because of the people talking. Yep. I mean, I don't think you can get... How many people were at that... How many people were at our party at peak? hundred like, At the same 20? time? I would say over a hundred, but I don't know yeah. how many. That's a lot of people for the amount of space that there is in this building. Yeah. Yes. And it's loud. And it kept raining... And so everybody would come in from the patio. Like, once it rains, there's half as much space here. Yep. It was a good party, though. I made six gallons of cocktails. They all got drunk, and then people had to bring more booze. Yeah. And then people didn't leave when the booze ran out. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. They stuck around for, like, another two and a half hours. Which, you know, cool. A lot of, a, a lot of train jam was here. That's true. Did you guys see anything cool out of train jam? Max capacitor. There was a thing on this TV that's right next to us. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ben Burbank and Sean Vanneman and two people whose names I don't know. Emily and... Emily Dillahunt and a Finnish guy whose name I would not... Yeah. Uh, Who who did the the world art? 
the, so, all of the art was Emily Dillahunt, who is yeah. like a, uh, it that, was a student who her own, like was worried about train jam because the only skill that she brought to bear was 3d modeling. And she was afraid that she wouldn't like have anything to do, but then like got set up with this team and is like, okay, we'll just make all original assets for this. It, like, intimidatingly complete experience yeah i was super that, that was the part that was most impressive to me was how good the good it looked for a, like a what was a three-day project yeah what what was it uh it was a game called uh, i don't remember what it was called the 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 theme of the jam was max capacity mm-hmm. and it was a game where you you were a woman who is trying to get a divorce from your husband who is the CEO of this electricity company and the prenup that you know exists but that he is pretending does not exist is locked in a safe in his office. And so you have to, you're like sort of Firewatch style reminiscing on your marriage falling apart in a series of twine vignettes in between first person puzzle Discharge. Discharge was the name of it. In between first person puzzle segments where there are, you have a gun that will gather up and fire balls of electricity and there are various objects in the environment that you can power to varying capacities. And there were two other people who worked on it. Lindar Greenwood and Samuli Yaskewen. I'm guessing that is the Finnish guy. I don't know who the... Lindar Greenwood is. I don't know who it was either. Uh... Sorry, <laughs> not someone, not someone that was at the party. Uh, and I played, yeah, Alan's game, uh, Max Capacitor, which is just like, I mean, it's like a, it's like a variant of Sokoban, you know. It's well, like it's like an Alan Hazelden jam. What it is is a puzzle script game with a Unity interpreter on top. Really? Yes. It's fucking brilliant. Wow, that is actually a pretty crazy tool to yeah. have exist for people it's, like you. It's it's very one-off for this thing, but the fact that it's possible is kind of amazing. Wait, can you explain what what do you mean by that? So, Puzzle Script is this super simple framework for making games um, that um, Stephen Lavelle made like maybe two years ago, three years ago, um, and it's primarily for like sort of Sokoban likes, but people have done some really clever things. You can add, so you can sort of emulate gravity and stuff like that, but it's all turn based. It's it's like right, right. Um, and so this is a game that was that the levels were literally made in Sokoban. In sorry, puzzle was, script, Jesus Christ, in puzzle script, uh, and then Andrew Schultesy, like just wrote an interpreter in unity to translate that to an actual unity project. Okay. And then he also did all the like art for it. Cause he's crazy talented. He's the, I mentioned a game that he is making uh, a while back that I am super excited about called secret legend. Although he probably has changed the name since then, but uh, it is heavily inspired by like um, legend of Zelda. He is so, 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 uh, this is a puzzle script game, uh, literally written in puzzle script that then has a unity interpreter on top of it that translates that into like some sort of unity tile set. So was that a thing that the guy had already made or did he he make, he made a puzzle script emulator and did all the puzzle emulator on the train. Yes. And the art's fine it's yeah. like looks like a real game yeah i'm interested in knowing like how close this is to just a generic uh puzzle script uh exporter for unity 
I don't think it is super close because he like when I asked, I was like, wow, is this something that other people could use? He's like, no, it's got a lot of like very sort of hacked together stuff. Yeah, makes so, sense. Like, yeah. He is making a game called Secret Legend, uh, or at least it was called Secret Legend at some point that is this sort of like a Zelda like um, that is just super gorgeous art. But he, so he's familiar with sort of an isometric sort of tile based kind of environment so i think he already had all of the like skills required to build that and just had to figure out how to take the puzzle script sort of back end and build it up into the the game right but i mean it's not it's like i guess you could you could release a unity puzzle script interpreter that you could then just like specify 3d tiles like from the asset store yeah, that, or whatever that's the thing it's like, like it's all the all the art and animation is still really rough to like make that's those are the things that would be really hard to like you'd have to actually define. rig that up yourself yeah. in unity it's not yeah. it's not going to be just an out of the box right uh yeah and and the the turn-based nature of um of puzzle script kind of it it almost demands a lo-fi art aesthetic because people expect a, a like a similar layer level of abstraction throughout a project or it just feels off I mean, this so this also has the sort of Z to rewind and R to reset, mm-hmm. and it it didn't for me. It didn't feel jarring at all. Yeah, okay. I mean, I I would offer like the new XCOM as a counter example to your. Does XCOM let you arbitrarily rewind? No, 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 no. But I'm saying that it's it's turn based, but is like oh, sort of triple A three D fidelity. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and it it does a lot of dumb shit that it does not need to do, like a lot of just ridiculous cinematic kill cam garbage that is like sort of Bethesda style like well this almost works I guess we'll leave it in like the camera's usually not inside a statue (laughs) during these little cutscenes we force you to watch every few seconds but I don't know that's a good I not to just go right into into what we've been playing, because I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I played like maybe 45 minutes of a game called Hard West, hmm. which is, it's like Cowboy XCOM, but in between the combat sections, it's like Cowboy Steve Jackson's sorcery. Like, uh-huh. you're moving around to different locations on a map and doing these little sort of dialogue nodes, some of which are like, systemic like how good are you at mining mine here for a while some of which are conversations with people and some of them are things that get you pieces of gear and give your guys different perks or like you know now i'm cursed by the devil or whatever and i i like everything about the game except the actual XCOM style combat because it just is weight it puts you into situations that are like to my sensibilities inconceivably complex like just right out of the gate like here's three of your guys versus 40 guards like okay i really could have used a couple of fights that was me and another guy (laughs) and then kind of slowly ramping up to that level of systemic complexity but anyway how did you how did you feel about the banner saga i guess that that didn't it wasn't quite that imbalanced but it like you were often at a numerical disadvantage. It it the Banner Saga I was never going to like I enjoyed I didn't enjoy the between mission stuff because it was just like bullshit linear cutscenes with no choices to make. 
Wow, really? That I remember. There was a lot of choice. Were there a lot of choices to make? I don't know. This felt more like that. Hard West did. But then also, I don't know. You know. Sorry. I told you. No, 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 no. I mean, it's it's not interesting that, like, I did or didn't like the game, really. It's just, it's a turn-based game, and it's... And it's a modern game. Yeah. and, And I wonder, like, is the popularity of... Like, is specifically the popularity of the XCOM remake, like, a good omen for turn-based stuff? I'm trying to think of other turn-based stuff with, like, modern high-fidelity modern graphics. Yeah. Go. What's the... Legend of Grimrock is one of the funniest examples of that. Yeah. Is it really turn-based? It is. Yeah. No, it's well, actually not. It's real. It's yeah, the it's stupidly yeah. real time, like I like not like I the Beholder, but like the um, or is it like I the Beholder? I forget. Yeah, I the Beholder is the one like where your is attacks it, are on cooldowns. And is stuff. it just like, tile based movement? But it's not tile based, but not turn based. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. which is which is the thing that is wrong with it. Oh, yeah. like, I think because it's the, the thing en- that's great about it. No, because the encounters are all designed around the sort of fainting scummy in. Yeah, fainting in and out dance. of. It's, to, like, oh, it's great. I mean, it's it's better in the second one than in the first one, because in the first one, the monsters don't really know how to deal with it. But in the second one, the monsters are intelligent enough to dance back at you and have side oh, attacks weird. and things that like that. That sounds terrible. So, yeah. Oh, it's, oh, it's fascinating. I thought yeah, it was well, It sounds fascinating, too. In the to way watch that somebody many, else play. In the way that many terrible things are fascinating. <laughs> what is the... There's a sci-fi one that's about to come out that I... Star Crawlers. Hmm. It's like a procedurally generated sci-fi gridlocked. Uh, gridlocked is such a weird. Like it says what it means, but it's also a word that means something else. Traffic. <laughs> um, is it real time or turn based? It's. It is. It. I think I'm more excited about it because it is absolutely turn based and combat is modal like an old school RPG. Like it's more like a kind of might and magic sort of model where you're moving around like early might and magic, not the good ones, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is weird. No, 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 no. The later might and magic start. So in might and magic three on, which you'll remember might and magic three is the assignment from video games, hot dog number two. Um, <laughs> monsters exist. In old, the, huh? Monsters exist in the world. And I mean, might and magic three is from like 1990. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, I it couldn't, didn't get that across. I was trying to say video games hot dog is that old. Yeah. Yeah. Jokes, explanations. <laughs> Monsters exist on the grid, but only move when you move. Um, unlike Grimrock and Dungeon Master. And, and no, I, don't, I actually don't know about Dungeon Master. What I meant was Eye of the Beholder. Eye of the Beholder is the real time one that's bad. Um, it looks so pretty, though. It's like such, it's exactly the right graphics expressing the exact right thing to just give me the hugest video game boner, but. Starcrawlers. No, no, no. I have the beholder. I have the beholder. But yeah, okay. Starcrawlers, Starcrawlers, you just like, oh, it's an encounter. And then it just goes to a combat screen. And then you resolve the combat and then you're back out in the world, hmm. which is fine. Um. Grimrock was a good pull for that, though. Turn-based, but... I just remember, like, seeing videos of it, and it looks... It's got AAA polish on it, and yet you still, like, turn in 90-degree ch- chunks. Yeah. It's just... It's like a joke that I would put in Frog Fractions too. 
it was being sold to a very particular audience yeah. and it's the fact that it got well, beyond I'm, that audience is a I'm, testament to the fact that that kind of thing doesn't prevent a game from being fun yeah no I, I don't i didn't think it looked bad i just thought it looked funny and i'm glad that audience is being served with subpoenas <laughs> <laughs> they deserve it it's like uh i don't know Je- you know jeff vogel from spiderweb software just s- continues to i met him continues at, to stop sp- I, w- I would really really like to uh uh, this was his first GDC, and I think yeah. it might be his last. Oh yep. wow, really? I, I just didn't get I the was impression really that really surprised to find out that he was at it at all. Yeah, like it's like I feel like he's the kind of guy that the mainstream games press and industry did not pay attention to for a really long time, and now that they are, they wish they hadn't because he's <laughs> really abrasive. Oh, he, I think. he was friendly to oh, me. No, I don't mean like that. I, I just mean like in terms of the things that he believes, he is extremely cynical. Oh, okay. About, yeah. Like, it's hard for me to imagine him being interviewed in a way that he cooperated with whatever the interviewer was trying to achieve with the interview because he just seems like a guy who like he's been around for a really long time. But his point usually is it like a genre of video game that was fun 20 years ago is still fun. And if you make a game for the people who want to play another one of those, they will buy it in the low tens of thousands. And you can make a living for a handful of people by serving a fairly small niche. If you make a kind of game that, that nobody's making anymore. Yep. And it's like, they're not, not making it because they're, because it's bad. They're not making it because the size of that audience is only a few tens of thousands of people. So if you can get by with that size audience, you can get by. The trick is finding those people because those people um, in many cases are probably not thinking about buying games at all. Yeah. Or at least are not tuned into the media that would advertise a game to them. Right. Yeah. I'll bet that spider. Well, I don't know. I wonder what's I see. This is why I would really like to meet him. Like wh- how does spider web advertise? I, I, at this point they've been doing this for so long. I don't think they need to. I think they, they, they probably have a mailing, they list. Probably have a mailing yeah. list and just everybody on the mailing list buys everything they make. They have 20,000 true fans. Yep. He does not spend any money on music. He does not believe that it is worth putting music in his games because he was like, I'm not going to make music better than your favorite song, which is what you're going to be listening to while you play this, Hmm. which is a weird choice. It is. But I get it. I mean, it, you know, reduces your budget by however many thousand dollars, like makes, makes Ryan Ike sad. (laughs) By the same argument, he's probably not going to make a game better than my favorite game, and I could just go play that game. Yeah, <laughs> oh, sick burn. Um, I have to actually imagine that you would. I like. I have. I put maybe fifteen hours into one of Spiderweb's games, and I had fun. But I think that I would not recommend it to anyone, and you would. <laughs> I think you would hate it. Yeah, I believe it. They're definitely not my thing for sure. I wanted to know what they were. Oh, yeah. Like, and it, it, you know, and I did. I think I talked about it on here. Avernum 2 
It's the one that I escape from the pit. Mm-hmm. I believe I escaped from a pit. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that is what happened. I had a lizard person. <laughs> I think he had a crossbow. There was a dog who was allowed to have a gun. Okay. Was it was it better than your favorite dog? Uh, yes, I I don't have a favorite dog at this point. What well, what about lizard people? Oh no, Peppers is my favorite dog. Oh, do you remember Peppers? Were you here when Peppers was here? I was not, but I I'm aware of Peppers. Peppers was a tiny. Is it a Pomeranian? Sure. He was like a couple days old when I met him. He looked like a tiny bear, and he was great. Sounds adorable. Yep. I've seen pictures. Pretty cute. Have you been playing any video games? Anybody? I, I have or played does anybody a, want to talk about GDC anymore? I've played a lot of video games. Uh, it's been weeks, guys. We've played a lot of video games. Yeah, let's skip listener's mail. Oh, yeah? Okay. Done. Uh, this is so going to be nine hours long anyway. I played all the way through Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS. Yeah. That's gosh. a pretty good game. Did you use the thumb strap? I didn't I don't know what that is. <laughs> when when It's a sex act. <laughs> I mean, didn't we talk about it on Yeah, we did. Yeah. On the on the JP episode. Yeah. But I don't really know what like I still don't know what it is. It's 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 like a Okay, imagine is it a peripheral. A, imagine a there's cell there's phone no strap. way that you would have used the thumb strap yeah, no, for this. It's like a banjo only. pick. No, it's, okay. it's yeah, it's like a it's like a cell phone strap but it's got this sort of round plastic nub on one end and where your thumb goes yeah and you can slide because of the way the strap is constructed you can slide your thumb into the end that isn't connected to the to the ds you know how the the ds touch screen you're supposed to use a stylus with it yeah Yeah. this is how this is how you use your thumb with it instead yeah it's like it's like a hard it's like it responds to your fingers right like that i mean but this lets you use your thumb in a way that nintendo Decrees is okay. You don't need the touchscreen for 3D for Super Mario 3D. Land. You also oh, but you know what is required is that Kid Icarus stand right. that the, the 3DS goes onto. So wh- I found myself with this game wanting very much. It's a 3D platformer, uh, and you know the screen is actually 3D, so you have some like depth cues, which is helpful, I guess, um, when it doesn't make you sick. Right. Uh, but. I found it very difficult to navigate the world because the camera keeps moving around arbitrarily in a way that you don't control. And I think that's what the touch screen was for, was you can manipulate the camera that way. I don't remember that Not being the case. Not really. Yeah, you can, no, there's, there's, the, there's a left and right arrow button, which you can also do with the, the, keep, the like D-pad thing. Which, the, um, the 3D Land and 3D World games were pretty fixed camera. Yeah, the camera, the camera moved at fixed intervals to different locations and you had the tiniest bit of control to like look around sort of, but you doing that while you were moving was not realistic. Uh, but I, the, the, the main control is the, like, I guess the anal, the round analog control. Yeah. The circle pad uh, circle pad. Thank you. Uh, and that drove me crazy because I would so often just be going the wrong direction because the camera had shifted and I was trying to go in a straight line and suddenly I was curving off to a different different location. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, and- a, that's a skill that like people who've played 3D platformers have Forever. picked up over years, yeah. you know, but like 3D Land was, was 
designed specifically to be like the compromise between uh, the new Super Mario Brothers games and Super Mario Galaxy. So it's oh, huh. it's supposed to be like uh, more fixed camera. You're not doing 3D exploration, so you don't have to think in that in that mode. So it's actually disappointing that this was still a failure for you. I, I played all the way through it. Sure. So, like, to the point where I got the the final super hard, unlock the su- final super hard level or whatever. Um, but it, I, there were just so much more frustration than I felt like it needed to be there. And I don't yeah. know, I don't know how I would have resolved that because the camera has to move around because you're traversing these spaces. And I, I am glad I didn't have to move it. Yeah. But fuck, I don't know. Like they want to be able to do sort of interesting things where you change which direction you're traversing. Um, it just gets really frustrating when you don't feel like you're in control. Um, one of the problems I had with that game, uh, was that I would be walking, I'd be running down this, this one wide platform and I would move a little bit too far up or down on the screen and fall off the platform, which is like the least fun way to, 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 take a 2d game and turn it into a 3d game right because um, there's no you would have never done that intentionally yeah it's yeah. it's just a like a it's just a gotcha that doesn't need to be there and one of the ways that the, the way that immediately comes to mind to fix that is to what the gamecube did and the n64 did and i can't remember if the wii u pad does, has this but they have a oct grid around the analog stick an oct grid, meaning a uh, little like eight at, at each of the compass directions, little notches, oh, little nubs that you know that you're going in one of those eight. Well, it, it was a little um, like uh, braille it, bumps. It's, it's, no, it's it's the oh, the gate oh. um, is is angled like so. When you push the stick in that direction, it actually fits into this it, corner. Like, yeah, it like rocks into a corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I downloaded and have not yet played. Uh, ocarina of time the 3ds version of it mm-hmm. um and I'm, i never actually played ocarina of time so this would be my this will that's, eventually that's be my interesting yeah, okay i, I'm really I actually had how you're also feel not played the original you, and i played some of the the ds have one. you played newer zelda games mm, no nope. i had played it was the last i mean i played some ds Twilight sorry i played Princess, some I ds titles yeah. like the train, uh, yeah Spirit i'm super train, interested in in the uh the and your take on that. And R- yeah. Riff, you're in the same situation? Yeah, more or less. Um, yeah, I'm super interested in okay. yours as well. I don't think I ever Especially as, as a Dark Souls player. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was, it was all right. Um, I also got I got the new Majora's Mask as well, but I didn't get into that at all. I don't know. It just didn't click with me. Yeah. I, and I, bought the, I also bought A Link Between Worlds. So I have two Link uh, Link with, games. Link Between Worlds is super good. Yeah, Link Between Worlds is really good. I like looking back on it. I think it's probably better than Ocarina of Time. Oh, interesting. I, I would re- if I were gonna if if somebody put a gun to my head and said you have to play one of these two games again, I would probably say I'm never gonna get this opportunity to force myself to play Ocarina of Time again. <laughs> so I'm gonna choose to play Ocarina of Time. But if you were to like, which one do you want to play? Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. I would, I would be like, man, those. what a really weird thing to. Yeah, <laughs> what, kind of, death what kind of criminal <laughs> are you? <laughs> what? Are you sure you don't just want my wallet? <laughs> yeah, I think that was a scene in Fight Club. Yeah. Another game that I played was a, a really interesting 
puzzle game on iOS called Black Box. Yes. Not to be con- confused with Black Bar. Or Gray Box. Or Gray Box. <laughs> uh, it is... It uses kind of every part of the buffalo. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like every there are all of these nodes that are a puzzle that you have to solve with your iPhone doing something other than touching the screen. Sometimes you touch the screen, is but this, it is it is rare. Is this related touch. to progress to one hundred? It's it similar, not, but it is. Similar. But it's not. It's not related. Okay. It is much more challenging. It, yeah, okay. It's trickier. Yeah. Because the, the, there like, are a lot of like really oblique things. To the point where I was like, uh, Kevin, I think that the fact that I'm about to go on a plane ride yeah. means that I'm going to solve like seven of these things. Yep. And he was like, yep, I think you're right. One <laughs> of them was like, Fuck. be at 10,000 feet. No, like, not exactly. It's... <sighs> I solved some of them by, um, the cabin. by yeah. writing some Xcode programs. Okay, what? all right. Yeah. But that was just faking. I was faking right? some yeah, things. Like, okay. yeah. there, was, there was one that was, I, I went and uh, took the train out to the expo center for like a weird antique mall fair expo. And then got home and was like, oh shit, I totally could have solved like three nodes if I thought of it. <laughs> So I, I highly recommend that. If you have not yet played it, uh, you, you definitely should. Uh, they just added a couple, like a couple of new challenges, which are oh, did they? one of which, yeah, one of which is, is like not that bad, but one of which is super fucking hard. So did you do all of yours without getting any hints? I eventually got two hints. I have gotten two hints. Yeah. Same here. So. I, I had to cave and get the hint for the six lavender boxes one. Oh, wow. I saw that one like see, the, instantly. You had that before I, I did too. I, yeah. I had the thought originally, like I thought of the correct thing and tried it, but I guess the... It wasn't working, right? Yeah, the implementation yeah. of the thing that I used to do it wasn't, wasn't correct. So I had yeah. written off that solution. The, the, the fact that like a lot of these... It is much easier to solve with some external tools. Is neat. Mm. Yep. Uh, and I'm sorry for all the people who are not don't have iOS devices it's, that can't yeah, play this. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just very device a, specific. It, it, it's like I don't even know that I think it's like a good. Really? Well, it. It's. I feel like it's. It's pretty slick. It like it warms you up into the harder things, kind of cleverly. It's so gimmicky, like. Yeah, but that's, I mean, it's all... Yeah, yeah. No, I mean... It's working within a very specific constraint space. It's not a good video game. Oh, no. It's a good thing. It's not a good game. Okay. That is, is, I think, where... It is a lot of of cool puzzles. It is a cool toy. Sure. With a goal. Yeah. It's a toy with a goal, not a game. (laughs) Okay. Uh... I think Riff, you had recommended to me that I get Cutthroat Magic. Oh yeah, right? I it wasn't even so much a recommendation as I saw that it had come out and remembered that you had played a shitload of Cut the Rope. They they did a good job with that. It like it is a lot more of just Cut the Rope stuff with some new mechanics, and then it, it gets really hard, which is unlike them. They like they have never really. They've never really made levels that I felt really challenged by until this game in which, like, there were a bunch of levels where I was like, I 
have no idea what to do hmm. to like get because like, all the stars are like, is the is the sort of real wind condition or whatever. Uh, so I can highly recommend that if you were, if you felt like the other ones were too too easy or too too trivial or whatever. Um, and then uh, if you guys played Slide the Shakes, I did. I played yeah. that uh, at the Super Giant party when I met a couple of the pretty great guys. Oh, they were in town. Yeah. <sighs> Lame. I told I, I I told them to come to our party, and then they never did. Oh, I just outed them. I'm sorry. Pretty that's, great. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Pretty great. Was it super giant? Yes. <laughs> did they then uh-huh. move on to double fine? I and, uh, <laughs> didn't ask. Uh, they're Australian game devs. Yeah, that's right. They ex half brick. Okay. Uh, so they made landsliders, which uh, mm. is pretty fun, and also had that interesting arg that yeah, i had that crazy in. arg that was way beyond the scope of what the game was yep. yeah landsliders is super basic like, i i actually really like it mm-hmm. um as just a kind of a just an activity more than a game sure and it, it reminds me a lot of like what it was like to just in banjo kazooie to be hunting down all the notes in a level okay just like you're you're moving around this cartoon world collecting baubles and like i was tweeting about this earlier that what's missing isn't that like in banjo kazooie there's all this platforming stuff what's missing is that the world isn't interesting enough to explore like it's generated content and the the generated levels are not very interesting to move around in usually correct but the they do become more and more treacherous that's true yeah and so if if you are trying to get a really high score mm-hmm it gets kind of interesting. Uh, it, There's a lot of like little things that you'll do to try to maximize. My experience with the getting scoring high in that game is it's it you want to get like lucky on the first couple of levels and get a definitely helps. Yeah, but there, I mean, like you can you can kill most of the monsters to get additional points, and there are a bunch of different ways to do that, right? Like you can like lead them into dangerous monsters. You can like do you do you get points for that? Yeah, because they when they explode, they turn into collectibles. Okay, I, uh, most of the time when I kill a monster, it's when they off a, they off fall off edge. a cliff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if if so, like if they run into one of the like uh, cactus turtles, they mm. die and turn into a thing. If uh, if you can get a bull to charge and turn into one of them, um, then you, they will die and turn into that kind of thing. There's the like the altars which you can sacrifice things on. There's there's a but like. It has enough systems to be kind of like compelling in that kind of maximizer way. Yeah. Um, and the score, like, because the difficulty ramps up so fast, you definitely still need the luck to get a really actually like a like meaningfully high score. But yeah, you, uh, what, the, the skill you, is. Do you remember your high score? Five hundred and forty-four. Okay. Yeah. Which is a pretty. I think it's it's like. That's one percent. That, yeah, that's that. I I uh, I got like two hundred and seventy, and it said it was in the top nine percent or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. And, it's it's a it's a it's fun. It's in the it's in the school of games at like like Crossy Road. I think. Yeah, it, it feels like very. It feels very inspired by Crossy Road, both in terms of like. In terms of the game itself, like as uh, as odd as that seems, where Crossy Road is about getting further, like they had to come up with a way to measure progress that w- still allowed you to move around freely, right? Yeah, um, and also in um, the the gotcha stuff, 
the uh this this the, the getting random items they have a ton of characters to unlock that either are just playable things the the thing that they do that's a little different is that each one has like um leveling like a little leveling curve you can level right. them up five times yep which at first didn't do anything uh and then they added small little powers to them well you got I, I'm presuming you even at the beginning you got um, the the coin bonus. Yes, sorry, that's true. Yeah, yeah. and but all the coins were for was for attempts at unlocking additional new characters. Right. So. so slide the shakes. Yeah, which is what we what I'd mentioned originally, which was um, their next their second game. Um, There's a bunch of fifteen puzzles that are portraits of shakes the clown. <laughs> right. <laughs> like th- before he showed me the game, I forgot his name. He asked me. Uh, what I thought it was. Is it was it based Luke? on the name? What was that? Was it Luke? No, Luke wasn't at the party. Okay. Is it about sliding milkshakes around on a grid? It is about sliding yeah, milkshakes around on a two D platform. Yeah. Situation. What I had said was that like uh, it. It sounds like landsliders, but with earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's more like desert golfing. Yeah, kind of. Really. Yeah. You're, you're not you're not like launching things like in a parabolic arc at all but it's uh you were literally oh, just, is it about like sliding a milkshake down a bar to yeah yes. and you're trying to hit a target but the bars huh. bars get progressively more aggressively uh, weirder neat yeah I it is really this neat. is the thing that i'm gonna play it's cool it gets it gets really hard and like it's it is designed slightly with like frustrating you enough to maybe give them some money to like skip a level or something Mm. but if you don't do that it's just a really hard interesting game speaking of which there's a scene in uh uh, peewee's big holiday where he slides a milkshake down a bar you guys should all watch peewee's big holiday and every listener should watch peewee's big holiday because it's really good is that in theaters now it's on Netflix. It's, it on was, Netflix. it's a Netflix oh, yeah. original. Also, Pee Wee Herman is 63 years old. Wow. Whoa. Does he look the same? He looks exactly yeah, the same. More caked up. Sure. Uh, like real makeup y. But, like, I guess that tracks, right? Because he was like 40 when we were watching him as kids. Right. Like, it's. It's really good. I Like, if you have any fondness at all for Pee Wee Herman. Like, I mean, it's I, just... I don't particularly, but I'm curious. Huh. I uh, I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I can... I also don't want to tell you anything about, uh, but I recommend because it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I like that one, too. Oh, I read an entire book since the last podcast, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, the, new, the newest uh, Tim Powers book, which is called Medusa's Web. Oh, that mm. sounds good. It is. It's about uh, Medusa. It, this is set up in the first few pages, so this is not a spoiler. But the basic conceit of it, conceit, uh, <laughs> the 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 sort of axiomatic idea of it is: there are these patterns that you can generate on paper that, when you look at them, it puts you into a sort of a weird snow crash outside of time mode where you are 
sharing the consciousness of anyone else who has ever looked at it at whatever time they looked at it and you can if you are like strong-willed enough can take control of the bodies of people who've who've in different times in different times yeah and there there is like a there is like a thing that the characters that you're introduced to in the beginning can do where it's basically like you look at it if it's a fresh one you look at it and then you look at it again later and what it does is it basically lets it lets you sort of teleport into the body of future you and teleports future you into your body then so it's like you can like it's a real learn about the future it's real like plot devicey it's like (laughs) it's like tim powers's stuff is like he thinks a lot about the systems of how supernatural stuff works which makes it really like just nerd that is amazing yeah there's the the, uh charles strauss does a similar thing with the uh the laundry files novels where like I, I one of the things I remember was was talking about um and the book talking about how engineers would uh, reverse engineer the mechanism in a gorgon's brain that would petrify you and they made a gun out of it they like replicated that <laughs> mechanism in circuitry okay it was, which was super interesting that's also a very nerd baity series of books I uh, I read uh, all of uh, spelunky by Derek Hugh. Mm. I started that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good. Too. It's it's really well written, especially if you are a game developer or an aspiring game developer. It has a lot of really meaty, useful things to say. I learned something about uh, my Kindle as a result of that. I thought <laughs> that I was like, I'm frustrated that I can't just like open this copy that they emailed me in my Kindle. And I realized that I could, I just needed to switch to a different tab, which then clued me into the fact that I had bought multiple copies of the same book thinking it wasn't on my Kindle when in fact it was, huh. um, anyway, I'm in the middle of reading. Uh, so I recently, we met a guy that put me, put me in the mind to like, refer an old friend of ours to a potential writing gig. And so I emailed them to introduce them about it. And my friend emailed me back like, Hey, by the way, what did you think of the book that I wrote that I sent you a copy of a year ago? I really wanted to get your feedback on it. And I was like, fuck, I should read that book. Uh, because it's uh, like, because I, I like everyone am a bad friend whenever somebody <laughs> wants you to read their novel. Like, and everybody knows it's like a weird big ask. And like, no matter how willing you are to do it, you're not going to. <laughs> right? Like, that's, I'm not alone in this, right? No, definitely true. Like, novels take a long time. Yeah. But, but I was like, you know what? I owe it to him to actually do it. And it's good. It's uh, like, it, it, the book is called, uh, The 8-Bit Bard. And it is, it is essentially, like, it's, it's, it's even more nerd baity. It's like Ready Player One caliber stuff, right? But it is basically a 80s CRPG from the perspective of the characters. Huh. Right? So there's, and this, this is what sold it conceptually to me. They meet these like down and out, like desperate people in the slums who are the result of the player rolling up characters, taking their starting gold, putting it in the party's bank, and then abandoning the characters. And, like, the consequence is that it has created this underclass of people who, like, like, they've even taken their wooden club and sold it, so they have no way to get a leg up, because there's just literally nothing that they could achieve 
in the world because they don't even have their starting resources. Like that's incredible. It, it's cool. It's, it's good. It, like, so the characters that you create when you're scumming effectively, like continue to like exist. they exist in this world. Yeah. This, uh, to, yeah. This is, this is what happened to San Francisco. I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, I'm only like two thirds of the way through it because I need to reply to that email. Like, I need to be able to tell him, like, "Oh, I like it," you know. And I, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of valuable feedback I can give about a at a novel or whatever. But it's like this is a thing that like other people would want to read. Like, people who are fans of Kingdom of Loathing would really like this. This is the guy that uh, the guy that made Twilight Heroes, which was the one sort of like. Kingdom of Loathing inspired game that actually like took off and got a following and made a little bit of money that I'm aware of. Well, I mean, other than like, uh, Mecha Galaxy. Galaxy. Yeah. Nick, uh, Nick, the guy who was looking to hire somebody, like, do you know somebody who would, who's like writes (laughs) sort of comedy superhero stuff? I'm like, weirdly, yeah, I do. (laughs) I will email both of you when I get home. Um, anyway, the eight bit bard by, I forget his pen name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, just Amazon search the 8-bit bard. It's, it's, it's not very expensive, and it is just a real nerdy book about RPG characters. How do you... Here's sort of a tangential question to all of this. How do you balance time spent reading, working, playing games, and watching like video media extremely poorly yeah, that's how i feel about it too <clears throat> i because i definitely like i will definitely like tend towards working as my default playing games on my phone is probably my second state watching something and then reading is like the yeah like, is the when i'm one. when i'm working i'm usually also like in the background watching something that i don't really care about Oh, it has to be something I have. To, I kind of want to see, but not really, because if I really wanted to watch it, I would want to pay attention. Yeah, sit and watch it. Yeah. Is it on your screen or is it on a? It's like a on separate a, device. It's on, a, it's on my second monitor usually. Interesting. Well, I do not have. I my brain does not have yeah, that mode. I, I, I can't yeah. do that because <clears throat> well, because the work that I'm doing is writing, so I can't. Yeah, I that can't be that listening that to wouldn't words work. And like and like that. I, it depends on the work too. Like I can't listen to someone talk in program usually. Yeah. The, yeah, I can't I can't code or write while I'm listening to podcasts. I can draw. Sure. And I can edit graphics while I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. The problem uh, I've been I, having recently is just having too many different things I would like to do and not being able to pick one, so I just sit and browse my RSS feed for three hours. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, just flipping back and forth being like, oh, I'll load Reddit, I'll check my email, yeah. I'll go to Metafilter, like, and I just realized I've just done this for an hour, just gone back and forth between the th- three same things that have nothing new. That is when I really wish that I had like a bigger house that I could go work on something or like that. I had a yard to <laughs> had a Reddit something. room, <laughs> yeah, a meta filter room. No, just that like, I like, so we, like we lived in a pretty big house in Arizona and there was always something to go do during the times when I just couldn't be like intellectually productive. Uh, and in San Francisco, like, you know, this house is like, it's, it can only get so clean. <laughs> like at a certain point there's nothing i can do to like just sort of burn spare cycles productively in a space have you considered finding more cycles to then burn you could join the neighborhood watch Mm. yeah 
Yeah, but then I'd have to do that at specific times rather than when I wasn't feeling it, you know? Oh, they don't have a neighborhood watch whenever you feel like it thing? <laughs> I played uh, a tremendous amount of Far Cry Primal in between oh. the last time that we talked and now. I um, I was listening to the Giant Bombcast and their bad review of it, like... I just pre-ordered it while they were talking about all of the reasons that they thought it was bad <laughs> because it was like, well, it's like, it's like the modern Far Cry games, except with no guns and that crafting shit just doubled down on it. I'm like, sold. <laughs> like, so like, it's like Skyrim without guns is what Far Cry <laughs> Primal is. Yeah. I do. I have, I've never played any of the Far Cry games and was not particularly interested in them, but I, hearing people talk about Far Cry Primal, I'm I'm kind of down with it. If I wasn't already playing three or four different things, I probably would have bought it by now. Tom I mean, Francis's like screenshots of the environment were like, "Wow, I want to play this game just to wander around in this world." Yeah, it's real pretty. It is just it is apparently like scandalously or not because no journalists all hate this game, so they don't bother to criticize it for this thing that would be scandalous. It's just the Far Cry Four map <laughs> reskinned with caveman shit. Remember when? I was playing Far Cry 4, and on this podcast, I said what I wish they would do is just take this map, get rid of all of the modern buildings and stuff, and just make, like, another Skyrim. Like a medieval just replace thing. replace all of these bunkers with dungeons. What they did was replace them all with caves and <laughs> gave me exactly what I wanted, except it's just a weird caveman game instead of a, instead of a fantasy game. And it sounds like that's it's just not that different. Like, it's, it's the, like... You're, you're taking over outposts. Yeah. You're like, you you know, you have, you have an owl that you can see through its eyes and that's your binoculars that you use uh to like tag enemies. Yeah. I don't know if you have a drone. Do you have a drone in the other? Yeah. I don't remember. I didn't play enough of Far Cry 3 or, well, that's not true. I played many hours of Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 4, but it like, It's just got the, like, simple level of technology. Like, you have three weapons. You have a club, you have a bow and arrow, and you have spears. Um, I think the reason that journalists don't like Far Cry Primal is that they were already sick of the Far Cry formula with four. Because they play every one of those games. And they play them all... They play all the way through them. Yeah. To review them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, the story stuff... The story missions are always the weakest parts of those and that's that definitely holds here like it's the fun thing is wandering around and conquering outposts and now that they're licensing the cry engine for other developers did they also have to come up with video game names that have cry in them is that part of is that part of the license or just ry yeah i I hope so i hope that's they're legally obligated crisis and was there stuff besides Far Cry and Crisis? Rise, R-Y-S-E. Oh. That's why that name was so awkward. The game was all awkwardly named. I didn't realize that. Okay. Maybe, can they just lose one letter at will? So it's, it's going to be like yeah. Cyan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cyclops. <laughs> yeah. I guess um, speaking of Cyan, Abduction is, yeah. is it out? supposed to be close to coming it's nearly out. nearly out. Yeah. Okay. I back to the kickstarter so i've gotten a thousand emails from them that i've just begun to habitually archive so i have no fucking idea here's a question i for hate kickstarter so our much. listeners does anybody else have the problem where kickstarter just decides that you can't receive their emails and stops sending you emails huh no because like i 
I get email every day, so I know my email is working. But then I'll like I'll be like, wow, it's been a while since I've heard from Kickstarter, like any of the Kickstarter projects that I've backed. And I'll go to their website, and they're like, oh, uh, your email hasn't been working. We we haven't been able to send you emails. And I'm like, really weird. And then you just have them send a test email and it comes through and then suddenly you're deluged with Kickstarter emails again. Yeah, I haven't seen that But you miss, you miss whatever chunk hmm. was happened while you were gone. The last time I checked, I had 2,700 Kickstarter emails in my Gmail history. Wow. You backed too many projects. Yeah, I backed just enough projects. You need to give people less money. That's <clears throat> true. Or I need more to be money less supportive to of, people. I need to be less supportive of creative endeavors that I believe in. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know what else I played that no one has been talking about on other podcasts uh, is The Park by Funcom, which came out around Halloween, maybe last year, maybe the year before. I don't actually remember. What is it? Oh, is that it the is, one that's, that's um, was it the, the Secret World, except... It reuses a lot of Secret yeah. World assets, but I was not expecting it to be what it was at all, which was basically just like a horror walking simulator. Like you don't like, really a single player game. Yeah. Huh. That Funcom just made and, and released for like 10 bucks. I think maybe 20. I should check that out. So it's, they just, they just took a, a lot of stuff that they already had re jiggered. Yeah. They built it. A, they built out a big environment that was like, there was a part of the secret world that was like the sort of haunted amusement park on Solomon Island, which is the opening area, which is so, so good. Like the first third of the secret world's, MMO arc is so good and so worth playing. Hmm. Like it's ah, it systemically, the secret world is really complicated and confusing. Like it's good, but it does not explain the ways in which it's good. Like you basically have to go to a wiki to be able to play it effectively because, because the systems are so like weird, weirdly complicated. Tree. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, there's, it's classless and like, you have a million options and you have to really dig into like the tooltips on everything to make an even like rudimentarily effective build. Hmm. And that, that makes it really intimidating. Like, because people, when they're playing an MMO, they really just want to like, I just want to keep killing these zombies until I get more powerful. Right. Right. Like they don't want like, Oh, well, I want to keep killing these zombies until I gain the flexibility to try out a different deck of abilities. Like, anyway, they just took a lot of these assets and they made a single player game where you're like a woman with a haunted past traveling through a haunted amusement park to so find your haunted, haunted child. Haunted past, yeah. haunted present, haunted future. And, and it's like, it's cool. It's just like a first person horror gone home except it's like gone to gone haunted amusement park instead of home i really like the idea of taking all the like when i played world of warcraft the best part of it was the setting mm -hmm. um and i really like when when i gave up on actually playing that game that was the part of that i missed um mm -hmm. and i i wanted like an excuse to like i wish i could recommend this game to people but what if, if it were and i could if it were like a single player game that like a short story that took, took place, place in elwyn forest yeah like or even like just an anthology of like here's a bunch of stories that take place in this world um and so i really like the idea of taking like the 
The Secret World was similar where I played it for a little bit and I really liked the setting and I really liked the writing um, and I really liked the investigations, but it's still wrapped in like MMO garbage. And there's a whole class of people who are never going to play an MMO. Those assets might as well just not exist to those people. And so why not just take those and put them in a game that they might play? Yeah, it's weird because the, so much of what is alienating about an MMO is not there in the secret world. Hmm. Like, it's not gear-gated. It's, like, it's really? it, not really. It's It's, like, weirdly... It is like a traditional, a traditional mechanics MMO, but like with a real skill ceiling, like just mm. get, figuring out how, figuring out what abilities to socket and how to use them is the difference between like one effectiveness versus 30 effectiveness. Like wow. it's, it's so, it's so weird. It's like such a weird collection of missteps. And then I remember talking to that person who was like, in charge of itemization for it and finding out that like that like they weren't allowed when they were making items to like choose what model the item had or something. <laughs> it was like there was all this weird shit where it was like I'd gotten this like pistol that was a weird like covered in horns demon pistol and it was called Stembridge. <laughs> Which is just the name of Indiana Jones's gun. And that gun was just supposed to be a fucking pistol that looked like Indiana Jones's gun. But somehow what ended up in the game was that name attached with this weird demon pistol. That's weird. Thing. It was like, That's what just the bizarre. fuck? It was, it just seems like they ran out of money making that MMO in like, it, it was like the jigsaw guy. The guy from Saw was in charge of their budget. <laughs> and it was like, all right, I'm going to figure out who to give. I mean, we have like $400,000 left to make this game. I'm going to give it to the individual people who will make it the most difficult to achieve anything using this money. <laughs> it, I don't know how it ended up the way that it ended up. There's so There is so much good stuff in it. There is so much like lovingly crafted, amazingly good environments that are then just kind of hamstrung by poor or incomplete technical implementation. And the game is just weird. The gameplay of it is so... I mean, it's interesting to me because I like a kind of a crunchy RPG system if you're just one person. I don't like it if you're controlling a whole team of people. <laughs> but if you're just one person, the systems can be arbitrarily complex and like I will just explore them. And it was really satisfying to me in that regard. But it is impenetrable. Like it's free and still nobody's playing it. Is it free? It's free to play now, I think so. Or maybe you have to buy it. You maybe have to it's buy it. To play you it. you yeah. buy it and then yeah. Is it still running? I think I heard they were shutting it down. No, no, no. It is. I mean, it's still running. It was still running like a month ago. Hmm. Anyway, the park is like another game that they made. They're good at making adventure games, right? Everybody loved The Longest Journey. And the sequel to The Longest Journey. The Longest But they're journey. bad at making MMOs like 
Anarchy the Online. Journey would be the prequel. <laughs> uh, Anarchy Online. They made uh, Age of Conan, which was, I think, is shut down. The longestest journey. <laughs> the never-ending journey. Yeah. I'll play the park. That sounds good to me. What have you played, if not the park? I played Little Inferno. Ooh. I played some of that recently. Wait, really? Yeah. Just, you know, for kicks. I had it on my iPad. It's mm. a cute did, you, did, did you not finish it before? No, yeah, I finished it. But it, I this is since I got the new iPad Pro, and I was like, I bet that looks really good on this. And it does. Well, you wow. It seems really weird that like that's the last game I would ever go back and play again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's very, like... Um, it's very grindy and like in a sort of a, if you're, if you're satisfied by grindy stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, and if you're like listening to a podcast or something and just want something. Yeah. To look at, it's not really a hands. game you pay attention to. Yeah. Um, I remember, I don't know if they still have this category, but I remember in like 2012, it was nominated in the IGF for best technology. And for I, the fire or something? Yeah, I didn't know what it was at the time. I just thought it was, this is like, it seen screenshots. It's like, that's ridiculous. Best technology. Um, and I have to apologize because the fire tech is actually really good. <laughs> like, uh, it, it deserved that nomination. And if it won, it deserved the, probably deserved the win. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's fun. It's like, I think it's fun in a way that is trying to make me feel bad for thinking it's fun. <laughs> like... I think they're they're trying to send up like free to play game mechanics, but like mm. being fun doing so because those things are fun to do even if you're even if it's satire. I don't think it being fun undercuts its message really. Okay, like because they're not saying it isn't fun; they're saying it's a waste of time. Sure. Yeah. Right, and lots of fun things are waste of time. That's very true. Or are they? Is having fun the best you can hope for in this miserable eye blink of an existence? (laughs) (laughs) There are definitely kinds of fun that I feel guilty for having. Oh, yeah? Like this one. Like recording a podcast? No, 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 like uh, like Little Inferno, for example. Like, kind of like sitting on get, a couch? Like the fun you get when you steal toys from kids. <laughs> yes. You're ordering those from a catalog. No, I meant in real life. Oh. Like, there, there are kinds of fun that he thinks are not okay. Yeah, like, if you if you guys haven't tried actually taking candy from a baby, <laughs> it, it is choice. Do you eat the candy or do you throw it away? Yeah, it seems like it'd be really gross and covered with baby slime. Well, yeah, Why you don't put you it in your it? mouth. Yeah, you don't eat it. You don't, it's not that you want it. It's that you don't want the baby to have it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and I played um, another game that I can't remember. Was it anything at GDC? Oh, yeah. I played uh, Mike Laser Walker's uh, Be a Hello Switchboard operator. operator game. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Which is a game that is built out of a uh, 1927, an actual, like, he eBayed this uh, 1927 switchboard and rewired oh. it to be his game. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's original hardware. It's, yeah. it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really nice. The game itself is not, like, I was thinking about this. I don't think it's a game. <laughs> it's just a job. No, yeah. both of it, both of his two most recent like alt control things are just somebody's job. No, t- but the telegraph one, what hath God wrought, 
It's just a job. But it has a game. It is a game. Like, it is a game in that it has a fail state and it has like a, it, it has goals. The, the thing that happened with the switchboard was like, you'd plug into one. They would say, I want to talk to so and so. And you'd plug it into them and then flip a switch. And then like, it would light up while they were having a fake conversation and then it would shut down. But there was no goal. There was no way to fail. There was no way to succeed really. And it, Hmm. He got the hardware saw, working, which is amazing. I just saw people playing it. I did not play it myself, but I assumed oh. that there would be some sort of like scoring system or something. Yeah, like no. like it gets progressively harder as no, you. I, get- I don't know. I don't think it. I don't think that it does. I don't think that there is that. Like I think that it is just actually constantly running. It's not even like a game starts and then oh, stops. Really? It, well, at the very least, there was nothing to indicate that any progress was being made. There was no. There was no feedback. To anything that you've done. Because one of the like, things I thought would be clever is the fact that, like, conversations end, but all that happens is they're, like, their lights go out. Yeah. So you have to remember to, like, clean up to your reclaim board. Your, yeah, yeah. That that does happen. <laughs> but there's no... It doesn't, like... It never ends. It's just... Okay. A thing lights up and a person wants to talk to somebody else and then you can or you can ignore them. But that's just a job. I mean, the so what Hathgod wrought is the um, is Morse the code telegraph, yeah. on a telegraph key, and while he did make a game out of it, it is it was also just somebody's job to like send and receive telegrams, right? Like these are both of these are just fundamental technological situations that came and went in the past two hundred two hundred years, and I think it's amazing that you can just kind of. It is just interesting to like yeah, play I, with the skill set that is no longer relevant. I do feel like a, a lot of what games are, are are jobs that are more satisfying to do than real life jobs are. Hmm. And I think that is true of many jobs that are now obsolete. Like you're setting stuff on fire job. Yeah, <laughs> for example, yeah. I had a job for one summer in college... Just lighting stuff on fire? shredding documents. Well, that was your whole job? Well, it was... I mean, my job was like... I had decided to get out of computers and go back to college and get a liberal arts degree. And I got a job in the office of the computer science department. So it wasn't like doing anything. It was just like... I was like office guy. Just like like an intern or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the summer was just shred old tests and like assignments that people had submitted. It was like, you have, here's a, here's a, like a giant bin of interdepartmental mail envelopes with somebody, a printout of somebody's source code and a, and a three and a half inch floppy with the source code on it. And my job was just to shred those for months, like pull out the disc, put the envelope in a thing that they could re, you know, like they could reuse them and then shred the the printouts of the source code and it was like so satisfying <laughs> yeah to just for for a few weeks to just be like all right i just have this the number of things that i have to shred this summer and i'm just like slowly chipping away at it like listening to music on my headphones it's pre podcast but music is like podcasts <laughs> The 
Number of things that you have to keep track of to do the job of a switchboard operator is more than the number of things that I can keep track of. It's remarkable how how complicated it it was is was. Uh, did you guys play any of the other alt control games? Yeah, I played a bunch of them. The, I played one that was in inside a zoetrope. Uh, oh yeah, what was what was that all about? It I was, saw that. It wasn't working very well when I played it. It was a game where you there was a bird, a little like, well, twelve little statues of a bird flapping its wings in a zoetrope with a tablet behind okay. it, and the bird was sort of like. You you were supposed to have the bird in between you and the bird's avatar on the screen, so it was like basically just a physical representation of a character in a kind of an endless runner that didn't work very well. Okay. Um, there was that game that the Disney Imagineers brought that was like that territory acquisition board game that was played on an embroidery machine. So you that- would end with a map of the like a like an embroidered map of the game that wow. you had played. Yeah, it was real cool. That that wasn't actually a Disney product, right? It was the, just like No, it was just the two people who were exhibiting it were there like it was like Disney Inc. and they were like scientists. Right. Their yeah. job titles and their company were like like they were just imagineers. Yeah, the, yeah. Like, the technical hurdle that they had to overcome was that the the ability to control one of these embroidery machines is like closed source. So they had to like capture the byte code as it performed instructions and then figure out how to actually get it to do what they wanted. Um, and so this was like their sort of like minimum viable product after having like reverse engineered their right. instruction set for this complicated yeah. meeting. Meeting those two was much more satisfying than the time I met a Disney employee who was not an Imagineer. <laughs> What is the term Imagineer is a thing that should fill me with, with such like disgust, uh-huh. but like, I, I love it. I love it too. Like, I just trust Disney and what the fuck? <laughs> like, like if, if, if Coca-Cola had better branding, would I like just have like a deep and abiding respect for Coca-Cola's scientists? Co-engineers. Like maybe oh, yeah. I would. Oh yeah, like Nintendo is very much that way as well. Oh yeah, even for me, well maybe even especially for me. Like I looking at, um, I I retweeted uh, a uh, timeline, a Nintendo timeline that posited like here's what would have happened if the Wii U had been successful, and like it was like <laughs> anime becomes real, and things like that, and it was just like this is. This is a a true fan who made this product, even though he's like making making fun of the fandom at the same time. It's it's very like Nintendo is very much a brand that is uh so embedded in my generation's childhood that it like it it's you can't trust any opinions you have about them. It's weird. This like between us and the Campo Santo guys, like we're all like relatively cynical people but they announced that like basically haunted mansion themed loot crate and (laughs) we in this office probably represent two percent of the customer base (laughs) of this thing right yeah like it oh god 
Oh, I felt so bad for Jake having missed it. Oh, I know. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring mine into the office and open them with Jake oh, if, he, if he wants. Like I, because I, w- I would like to be present for that. Yeah, I, there's no reason to deprive people of that. It's just them sending you garbage. It's them sending you garbage in the mail. And well, it's you garbage that connects to it. an app. Ooh. Well, sure. <laughs> and and here is my hope. My hope is that you take some of it with you to the haunted mansion, and it does something. You get to go on a special it, it secret interacts tour. with something in the line. No, oh, yeah, because there's all that weird stuff in the line now. All those weird like near field communication. Yep. Like scenery objects. If this is their test for like individualized Disney experiences, that's going to be super rad. Oh, God, let's go to work for Disney. Fuck video games. <laughs> Real experiences are where it's at. I mean, the uh, the embroidery game is called Threadsteading. It's a good name. That's a not a no. It's not. That's a good name. It's a pretty good name. It doesn't sound like anything. <laughs> it's like uh, if Thread sounded at all like home, that would be a good name. Fine. It's not okay. Sorry. I mean, I guess you guys can believe you're it's making a good name me pout, it's a, Zach. It's a good name if you think it's a good name. I don't have to think it's a good name for it to be a good name. <laughs> Did you guys play Palimpsests at all? Yes. That is the game where you put on a custom helmet, uh, which has describe this helmet. Uh, it has three visors that you look through uh, that are tinted red, blue, and green, and you look at the screen, which to an outside observer just looks like plain just white. Just white. Yeah. And what it is, is that it is a screen whose, it's an LCD screen whose uh, polarizing filter has been removed. Oh, right. And they have, they have sandwiched a polarizer and a red, blue, and green filter together so that you can only see one third of the pixels at any given time. And you're navigating a, you're navigating a maze with only a third of the information available oh, to you. Weird. It and is, you choose which third. Like, yeah. You, you, can, you get control. Like, so you could just crank the thing. You could get somebody else to crank the thing and you yeah. could basically see all of it. But yeah, this is like the visors in Metroid Prime. I guess. Yeah. Not not having played that. Sure, sure. Know. You know what it is, Zach? It's, some that, information. it's that thread and stead rhyme. Yes. Okay. Home threading. Okay. But then it wouldn't be homestead. <laughs> like you wouldn't know it was steading, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be okay. a tough yeah. sell. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be so combative about it. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Like, I feel like I made you feel bad for no, thinking no, it, it was, was a good name. I was pouting because it was funny to pout, not because I was actually sad. You're not actually building a home, though, either, so it's not really homesteading. It's <laughs> we, we played a game where you were controlling tanks with oh, these yeah. giant wooden Crank cranks. Tank. So, apparently... Crank dicks. That is supposed to be played with four people. Two people per team. Oh, that makes would a lot more sense. fundamentally change the nature of that game. Yeah. Yes. So, it is a, so, that is a game where it is... It's basically just Atari's combat, but the controllers are these giant cranks, which are basically... One per tread. Yeah, ma- mapping to one side of a tank tread. And so, if you're playing at 2v2, you have to coordinate which direction and who is currently spinning the thing to actually make any progress at all uh is it just too easy if it's one person uh, no no <laughs> i had still a pretty really hard, hard time I mean, you, you just get yeah. mapping tired i also like that was a game where i beat you twice a, in a row yeah, rapidly and that never happens like i, I don't just know what, could not wrap my head around like <laughs> turning around the obstacles in the game it I was just kept fucking up over and over and over it was again. also a lot of like physical work to get the tank across the battlefield because you had to like be turning these giant cranks yeah uh, we played uh, Please Stand By, which is sort of a 
puzzle game built into it old school television oh yeah this is uh this is victor who is our programmer on west of loathing um and jerry and jerry bellick bellick who made the choosatron yes um, this is their project i mean victor also worked on i don't know infamous <laughs> right um no, nothing as important as what he's working on with us but uh yeah it was like a it was a tv and the controls were basically like the rabbit ears hitting the sides all of the like knobs and on the four and like four analog knobs on the front of it and there were just like some puzzles that like there'd be like a little vignette and then you had to kind of figure out how to move on to the next one and yep. then you'd like change to the next channel and do it and it wasn't it was again like the it was like mike laser walker's operator switchboard game where the the hardware was really well executed and really neat and the game itself was just a little undercooked. I feel like that's true of almost everything at alt control. It that it's it's more about the experience of using that interface than than the game itself. I guess you don't want it to be a thing that takes like a half an hour to fully experience because then it's like this is only ever going to get played in public exhibitions. Right. The things that will endure though are also games. Like I'm thinking about like Lion Wobbler, right? It mm -hmm. is interesting and novel to look at and experience but it's actually a game that like has a skill curve and there's stuff to accomplish there's a win state a lose state that kind of thing you know like yeah. you were saying with what hath god wrought um the only other thing that i that i wrote down from all control was dobotone i don't know if you guys play that at all that Just is the, bell. so that's a four player game where every player has two buttons and that's their control scheme uh, but in front of all four players is a control panel, uh, which has uh, sliders and dials for things like gravity, speed, zoom. And so at any point, any player or an outside observer can start f messing with the sort of like world variables while they're trying to like complete the level. <laughs> and the levels are, are various different challenges like... Um, there's a lunar lander style thing where you're controlling right and left thrusters or like... A, a thing where each one is like a, a leg and you're trying to run real fast or whatever. And it's, it was fun. It was eliciting sort of joy in me just watching. Cause it was, the levels were interesting. Uh, plus the like randomly changing world variables made everything sort of the scope of everything change sort of rapidly. Um, and people had to adjust and it was just, it was just clever. It was just, it was just a neat, weird little party game. Um, so I remember when I played, I played Broforce. Okay. Uh, and I've talked about the, the expend bros, uh, earlier on a previous podcast that I talked about it in very like glowing terms because it was a really fun, you know, I think we played three players as up to four player co-op, just super chaotic running like Contra style running around a, uh, a 2d world shooting terrorists. Um, and it's very like, American patriotism themed. Um, and, uh, bro force is, is the game that the, 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 the finished product that, that, um, that developer had been working on when he was, uh, approached by the expendables people to, uh, create a marketing thing. Um, and the difference here is that I played bro force by myself and it's super boring. Oh no. One player, it's really not interesting at all. You need we, multi, we did it multiple. We did it as an players. assignment 
at oh, some did point you? before you were part of the show. Yeah. I don't think we played it as an assignment. Really? Yeah. Are you thinking of Super Time Force? No, I'm thinking of Bro Force. I thought we... Riff, have you played Bro Force? I don't think so. Yeah, well, I don't well, think I played, played it. it. I think I you played, played it independently. I just played it and talked about it, yeah. It's... It feels like it should have a lot of potential because of the, like, destructible environments and stuff, but it, like, doesn't... It doesn't over. get anywhere. You, you get three like, people in the room and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my experience. But like, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't, I think it's because in part because it's tuned for multiplayer, you know, it's tuned to like be barely comprehensible what's happening on the screen with that level of chaos. I'm, I bet. I'll bet Castle Crashers is also not fun to play by yourself. I can also vouch for that. So, like, it's uh-huh. that kind of thing where the chaos of it is more fun if it's just a thing you're doing with friends rather than a thing you're doing where you're trying to achieve something. Yeah. Because there's not enough of a, like, compelling meta structure. Like, getting through a level doesn't mean enough to compel you to do it even though it is fun just playing it, it's not, like, fun enough to right. just do it for its own sake. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to or put it. Or doing it with other people where... It's the, social as well. The, the, where, But where also the, like, sort of chaos of what's going on gets multiplied out and things are happening that aren't your fault that you then have to deal with. Right, yeah. Like, makes it... Atari combat is not fun playing by yourself because I think there's no AI like playing it by yourself is literally just nothing. It's definitely a two player game. Yeah. Is there really no AI that crank? Yeah. I don't think there's any AI in Mm -hmm. combat. I think it like required two players. Yes. I'm pretty sure the, uh, video Olympics, the pong game that they made for that system also was two player only. VO. I don't get it. Video Olympics. Oh, yeah. Voiceover. Uh, okay, right. Sharing the... It's not funny. Just, Sorry. <laughs> just said it. Sure I, isn't. Let's just stretch it out. It's good. Boy, we played a lot of video games, fellas. Yeah. What about you, Riff? You haven't even said anything. Uh, I played a bunch of... I'm in the process of playing a bunch of uh, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, which is pretty good. So is that in, like, the Paper Mario world? No, the other way. It's in the Mario and Luigi world. It is, But there's an incursion from the Paper Mario world. Right. The, Whoa, the, really? The, yeah. the plot is that the, the book that all the Paper Mario characters live in got uh, accidentally spilled, and everyone got dumped out into the Mario and Luigi world. So it's uh, so, so like a combination of 3D and 2D yeah. weird things. So instead around. of having ju- uh, like uh, how the Mario and Luigi games have Mario on the A button and Luigi on the B button, you also have Paper Mario on the Y button. So it, it lends this extra dimension to the to the combat because you've got more moves to keep track of and the the multi character superpower moves 
add a third button to the mix. Yeah, so that's that's it's super weird that they acknowledge the presence of two separate Mario cannons. Yeah, yeah they and that's like that's what two a Mario's lot of the and plot, two peaches. Is yeah, the plot. that's what yeah, the plot yeah, yeah. is about. Is is the the two Bowsers kidnap the two peaches and. In the process, and every Bowser scene is the two Bowsers arguing with each other over which one of them is in charge. And by the <laughs> way, I am really fucking sick of Bowser by now, and I don't want to play any more Bowser games, but it's okay in this one because there's that little bit of comedy. But that's the Bowser's that's Inside the Story was pretty good. That was that was like the last one that like Bowser's Inside Story. They did everything that was left that could be done with that character. <laughs> And and that's. Are you talking about as I a protagonist or no, like just even as a character? He's yeah. just not interesting anymore. There's nothing left. He could open a, a, a antique store a and sell cursed yeah, cursed sure, antiques sure. to people. <laughs> but yeah, no. But it's it's a fun game, and uh, it's it's paced a lot better than the previous one, Dream Team. Because Dream Team, like the first two or three hours, were pretty much entirely tutorials. And it really sucked. Uh, but in this one, there are basically no forced tutorials. Like the when the first time you get in combat, the little like narrator scamp character says, "Hey, have you done this before? Do you need me to tell you how it works?" And you can say, "Nope." And yeah. Says, okay. Pokemon Pokemon <laughs> Picross did that too. Where I mean, I, I didn't play Pokemon Picross very much because it's got all that free to play bullshit in it, but. There's totally a skip button on the tutorial. Yep. It was really uh, refreshing. Which, and yeah, no, I'm I'm like I think maybe Nintendo is realizing that that stuff is actually super yeah. oppressive. Yeah. Uh which would be nice. It would be nice if it's not just a fluke. The the one time that there's been a tutorial in this that you couldn't skip was when it was presenting like a game mode challenge that was entirely new to the series and there's no way you knew how it worked. Well, and for everything the, else, they, the, I guess they're, they, for everything else, they've been like, if you don't need to know how this works, you know, there's yeah, tutorials are in the menu. If you want to go refresh yourself. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that, and that, and that's good. But that also presumes you're never going to replay this game. Mm -hmm. Maybe it remembers. Maybe it remembers yeah, if you played true. it again. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, it maybe it's good. it has. They have looked at a complicated diagram, <laughs> and then their future selves looked at a complicated diagram, and they know whether or not you have played this before. <laughs> and then they take over your body. Exactly. <laughs> so you got tutorialized whether you wanted it or not. Yep. But yeah, that apart from apart from some old stuff, that's pretty much all I've been playing. I've been playing a bunch of Dark Souls two, and I started a new Pokemon game, and I started replaying. A fool and his money because I couldn't remember how any of it worked <laughs> from where I had been previously. But yep, is a fool and his money the newest one? Yes, is the, okay. the sequel that was a decade in the making, twenty years in the making, ten years. Yeah. yeah. Has he ever put it on sale, or has it just always been forty dollars? I don't even I don't even know where you go to buy it. I he sent me a copy because I was oh right because you pre ordered yeah, it yeah because I it, it was like Kickstarter before Kickstarter was a thing. Do you guys want to talk about this assignment? Yes, sure. Oxen. 
free. Oxen free. Finally, guys, let's talk about this game that was really good and fun. I didn't play it. You totally played it some. I played like 15 minutes of it. Well, you didn't go back and play it again? I tried. It didn't work. You pinwheeled and that was it. Yeah. Wow. Did you finish it, Jim? I played like half an hour and gave up. Oh my god, you guys. How how far did you get, Jim? I... I cannot believe you. Uh, it was like right before it gets interesting. Yeah, right in the cave. <laughs> I played it to that, and that that whole intro sequence, I just found so glacially paced that it drained all my enthusiasm. Yeah, and then, same. And also, yeah. I like I hated every one of the characters. Yeah. And then I especially went, I the went protagonist. Back to it like last night to to play some more of it because I felt obligated, and I like walked up a long path. And up a very tall tower and read another conversation and walked back down the tower and back down the path and then along another path for like 10 minutes and got to a cable car that didn't work and there is no indication of what I would have to do to make the cable car work. And I said, I'm done. Yeah, I I skimmed through a little bit of a let's play after I gave up and I that's how I know I stopped right before it got interesting. Uh, but I, I, I was lots, of, lots of really creepy stuff happens and it gets like really compelling. Right. But you still have to listen to those characters talk. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Like, it, tell us what you liked about this game, Kevin. So I did not enjoy the sort of pace of walking. I did feel like that felt, it felt really slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like in sort of Firewatch, you are you are meant to be having conversations while you're traversing from space to space, and only if you're backtracking or like trying to like find stuff that you missed or whatever does it really sort of show itself as being kind of a pain in the ass. Um, but the there there were a lot of interesting sort of choices to make about how you interacted with the different characters. You you really got to shape your relationships with all of these different characters and make choices throughout the game that had significant impacts on how they sort of ended up and, and what their sort of situations were. Um, the, the, the creepy bits were really quite creepy. Uh, I don't want to like give away sort of plot stuff, but like (laughs) there were, there, I guess there were puzzly bits. I didn't really experience them as puzzles because I had actually been paying attention. There's like weird little sort of quizzy kind of sections where it asks you about stuff that you might or might not have learned about. And if you, I don't know what happens if you don't answer that correctly. I'm curious. Like if you didn't listen to the right radio station. Yeah. And so that, so the radio station was, an, the radio thing was another kind of tedious bit because it's, you're sort of searching the radio dial and there's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of content that's sort of peripheral that's on that. Um, but then later in the game, you get a radio dial. That's like three times as wide. So it makes (laughs) it that much harder to search the dial for stuff. Um, which, you know, it's just for, it's just sort of mechanically explained. Um, I, I don't know. I found I found that I don't understand exactly why you guys didn't get into the conversations because they were they were really dynamic and you had a lot of it felt like at least I didn't go back and restart it and try again, but it felt like you had a lot of 
control over how the conversations played out and whether or not you like listened to things or interrupted or or what right like it was just infuriatingly slow how like what was slow like if you were in a conversation with somebody and you're listening to them are you frustrated with how fast they are talking in real life no because i'm in real life and not experiencing something that is supposed to be entertaining huh like and i can also be like you know having a sip of my cocktail or whatever but there's usually stuff in the environment to be messing with while people are talking is there yeah like even so like like, um, truth or dare scene yeah is just 30 times as long as it should be but you the, you can walk away and explore the environment. Like they, I was in the middle of that, and they were like, "Hey, why are you climbing up those stairs?" And I'm like, "Cause I'm exploring the environment while you guys are talking." Like, yeah, and they reacted to that. You can't then leave and keep going up the stairs, though. Sure, but it also doesn't it doesn't last that long. It's like 15 minutes of like, well, of so sort of it was 15 minutes, stuff. and then the game locked up, and so I was faced with sure. the prospect of that 15 minutes again, and I was yeah. like, that was fucking boring the first time. If I had known I could move around during that conversation, I, I might have felt differently Did about it. Did you just it. like sit down in the yeah. beach and, and just listen? Okay, well, that just like feels like you're just waiting for a cutscene to finish. You can like throw it. rocks into the ocean. You can, <laughs> you can grab a drink. You can, I, I don't know, like. It it at no point did it feel to me like there wasn't something for me to explore or do. Huh. I just was, I, but I agree. Angry I, I think the I, entire time at the pace. I do think that maybe they could have made the beginning of the game thinner so that the later stuff felt meatier. Um, but maybe not, maybe, maybe you wouldn't have enjoyed the later game either. And they just saved you from it by front loading sort of a longer conversation. Did you guys ever go to a beach as teenagers or go camping with your high school friends or anything like, did this, did this feel like a reminiscence of any kind no, no not for no, me no. okay so maybe that's also part of it because like i went on a couple like camping trips with my high school friends yeah and you know gr- granted there was no weird sort of strange shit yeah, that happened I, no but like, but like i think that's the intent is to like is to to make it feel like this is happening to past you yeah yeah i found it super I, satisfying i i like I, I was I was pulled in. I think I played through it either in one long session or like two two long sessions and um it it is it is odd to me that it that it bounced you guys all three of you guys bounced off it as hard as you did cuz I would have assumed that at least one of you would have found it kind of interesting. It's yeah. super hardcore narrative though. There's not a lot to the game besides the sort of branching dialogue trees and a little bit of puzzly stuff. <clears throat> I guess I guess the environment exploration there's there are things to find in the environment but they're not really critical by any means. Yeah, I mean for me it the the pacing wasn't the problem so much as uh the characters 
like having to to talk to these people I didn't like. Yeah, I feel like um, I, I would have been less turned off if that first campfire situation hadn't been so much about the one girl being real shitty. Yeah. Hmm. But also, like, running into the, uh, when I discovered the, the mechanic of, like, listening to radio stations at various points in the world, um, if the writing had been better, that would have been nice, but, like, my reading of it was that this is just, like, more, it felt like an obligation. It felt like I need to, to say, I'm yeah, probably going to need loop. to know this stuff for later, so I better go fucking listen to all these things. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sad I didn't like it, but. Did you guys feel like the visual art was Yeah, good? I thought it looked good. I thought the visual design was good. I, it, it it did look good, but I, I was a little bit weirded out by just how small everybody was on the screen, like that you could see no 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 detail right. in the people. And I guess that's a style, but it didn't ring right for me. The choice that when you do something that affects somebody's feelings about you, it shows your it just shows, shows you face. a picture of them. Yeah. With no indication of like positive what or negative or whatever. Means. Yeah. Yep. That was like, I, I got the impression that it just gave you the sense of like, oh, I'm thinking of this person. Cause I, I, again, I had no idea what that meant. I mean, I don't want it to just be systematized to the point where it's like a Bioware romance, you know, but I want like, it's like, all right, there was a game state change and there's nothing different about that than Kenny will remember that. Sure. But. Kenny will remember that as a thing that you get to attribute your own meaning to. It is a sentence with a subject and a verb. Right. Right. Whereas this picture of a face, like, uh, okay. At the end of the game, you get a recap of the choices, the, sorry, the, the outcomes for the characters that you facilitated and how that compares to like all the other people who've played the game. And, so it becomes becomes more clear. Oh, okay. Well, clearly, when I was saying these things, this is what I was causing to happen. Um, and so you, I feel like that become that like that reveals itself, but it was not obvious through the, in the playthrough that that's exactly what was going on. Um, I I almost wanted to play it through it a second time just to see if I could make like what how dramatically different I could do a second playthrough. Um, there's a pretty major divergent choice that you make early on. And I don't know how the game plays. If you go the other way. And then there's also a really big diversion choice sort of in the middle of the game mm. that I imagine makes it play pretty differently. So, Well, sorry, no one can talk to you about this, Kevin. Yeah, uh, it's. It, I, I feel it like was this is a real in downer that, segment. Yeah, and I, like there wasn't much chatter about it on the forum, so I don't know that anybody else played it. No, so, um, like, and there there was like six weeks for them to talk yep, about it. It's weird. It's this. I don't exactly understand what happened here, but for me, it was just technical difficulties made me not trust it. 
Yeah, because you had the initial thing, which was the bug that they eventually patched, and then the the second attempt just never actually loaded. Yeah, it was like a captive audience. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't really feel like doing this, but I'm just going to because I'll have nothing else to do on the airplane for like the oh, you know, f- the four hours of the flight where there's no internet. It mightn't have needed internet access, right? Because if it's if it is comparing your decisions to everyone else that has ever played, like I wonder. Mm. I mean, I dropped Steam into offline mode specifically before i got on the plane yeah i don't know yeah huh i don't know i had to like hard quit like i had to like hold the power button down on my laptop to like power it down right well we're gonna play day of the tentacle the remastered version i guess okay more adventure games this is a thing I've intended to play for a really long time, so... Apparently you can just play all of Maniac Mansion inside of it. Nice. So... I played a lot of Maniac Mansion as a kid, but never got anywhere, because I didn't really ever figure anything out. Well, now you have a, you have been given a second chance. Uh, Maniac Mansion is interesting in that it's open enough that you can still feel like... I still feel like you probably saw a lot of interesting stuff in Maniac Mansion, even if you never got anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's solvable no matter which three characters you pick. Yeah, by design. Yeah. Yeah, because there's not actually that much difference between the characters, right? Like, there's some of them won't do certain things. I think there. Some of them can play the piano. Yeah, it's like I think there are there are puzzle solutions that are unique to each individual character, but there are enough different potential solutions for any given puzzle that you can't get a team of three that at least one of those people doesn't have a solution for that. Hmm. That would be an interesting dependency chart to look at. Yeah. It would. I mean, the situation would just be that there is no puzzle that more than two characters cannot solve, right? Because otherwise there would be a puzzle, and that's a boring way to do it. Well, but that's if, if it is a if it is a puzzle that is required to be beaten for the game to be beat, just resolved. You need unless have- a character who can't solve it can make it not a puzzle by performing an earlier action that only they can perform. Okay, sure. Right, because not every puzzle has to be solved in order to finish the game. Okay. Right. So there's. There's a bunch of different endings. There's a bunch of different ways you can go about it. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you're you're right. On some level, like on a uh, like from a math standpoint, yeah. You guys, I've had a great time recording this very long episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again in a week instead of in six weeks. And uh, I also hope that I'm I'm ready for that, <laughs> listeners. I hope you'll join us. And until you do, cockaboo boo Good night. Have a great week, everybody. Good night. Uh, I always like the one that looks like a turtle with a fist on its tail. <laughs>